Hello and welcome back to This Is Fine, a podcast where I share inspiration, life lessons, and tips to help foster a healthy mental state. Hmm, it's been a couple of months since I did this, and I must admit, right now it's a little unnerving. That feeling of trying to go with the flow of life, but also like being aware of yourself, feels like such rigid dichotomies, and yet. At the same time, they don't feel that way. It's kind of like being in flow state when you're writing, and you kind of just feel the words come out of you, and yet they still feel like a larger plan. I guess that's the best way that I can describe it. It's pretty hard to pin that kind of feeling down,、um, which is interesting for me to admit because I feel like I have a no. I know that I have a knack for expressing emotion through words. So, I think I'll go in and out of that flow state while I do this, and you can usually tell because I speak very fast. But in this recording, I'll set my intention, which is to speak concisely and with deliberation. So, me setting my intention just now was definitely planned. For those who、um, are listening to this episode or to me for the first time. Let me preface that in the past I have spoken about how having a vision is a determining factor in figuring out your life. That is to say, if you feel that you need to, if you feel that you are lost in some area or in some way of your life. More specifically, I have spoken about being、um, specific about your vision. I'm talking about details so specific that an image forms not only in your head but it also resonates in your body. And what I mean by that is the vision must be so powerful that it starts generating an emotional response in your body. And for it to be powerful, it must be specific. I do not like to use the word must or should. I am. I try to be conscious of when I use that because I feel like people、um, decide what is their must and what is their shoulds by themselves. I don't think that I should decide that. So when I say that, for your vision to be powerful, it must be specific. The that's the way that I see it. That's the way that I embody it. The reason I talk about that is because I have lost the specifics of my own vision. Well, I haven't lost them per se. The thing is that I've stopped developing the details, and then I stopped visualizing it, and then I stopped feeling it, and then I reverted to some old habits that have、um, kept me from this goal that I had, the intention that I had for doing this podcast. And to be completely honest, when I was asked by a couple of friends recently, when when are you going to put out another episode? I kind of told the half truth. And and I said I'm working on a new direction. Well, that's not even a half truth. That's more like a quarter truth. Like I lost the specifics of my vision. I stopped visualizing it.、Um, I allowed ingrained habits to take hold of my consciousness. You know, right now as I sit here with the wind knocking about the frail windows in my little abode, reminding me of where I come from and where I am. And outside, I can hear the jovial sounds of patrons in various states of drunkenness. Remind me of how we distract ourselves. I didn't expect really to record this episode today. I had planned on something. I just didn't know that it will happen today. 
But this morning, something tugged at me and it literally felt like I didn't make the decision or take the action. But I just sat down at my desk and I fired up my MacBook Pro and here we are. Today, I want to talk about how my brain has melted together the idea of signs from the universe, storytelling, distraction, grief and magic has brought me to record this episode. And now that I think about it, there's always a story in grief, isn't there? So let's start with um, storytelling. Now in narrative storytelling, be it written text or moving pictures, eventually moments come when when the life situation of the character, the main character, is not sustainable. These major decision-making moments are a big reason why we consume stories. Therefore, they're clearly represented and crafted and they echo our human experience. They communicate a commonality in the human condition and show how connected we are. Because for that moment, we're all strangers in the cinema or strangers reading a book, but we're feeling the same thing. No matter how we got there, no matter who we are, we all feel the same thing. And we as the spectators have been trained to see the signs of those decision-making moments, that the character's life is in shambles. They hit their rock bottom and they're, they're left with no other way but to let go of a part of themselves and put in a lot of effort to, to essentially overcome those parts of themselves and to rebuild themselves. And when they overcome themselves, they overcome the main struggle. And I want to focus on the, the decision part that lead to a better or worse life situation. So often people say a better life or a worse life. The more I experience life, the more I realize that using adjectives to try and pin down what life is doesn't embody the concept, at least not for me. I think we limit ourselves when we try to do that. And I also think that life is kind of a neutral concept. Therefore, I say life situation. All right, back to the focus, uh, which was decisions and events that result in a change of life situation. The thing is, contradictory to storytelling, the big decisions, the big events in real life, in our lives, in our life situations are more often than not unceremonious. They come unannounced. There's no throwback soundtrack that kicks in just as the penny drops and we take action. Just like I was compelled out of my bed and in front of this microphone, there was no conscious announcement that that that's what I was going to do. See, I had a clear idea of what I wanted to hear. So then something just said, well, go ahead and say it. Okay, I admittedly like, it's kind of weird saying it like that. I mean, saying I had a clear idea of what I wanted to hear. So then I said it. But think of it this way, that old adage, um, be the change you want to see in the world. That quote can be transposed into, if you want a friend, then be a friend, like Maya Angelou said. It can be transposed into, write the book you want to read or say the words you want to hear. So here I am, compelled by the signs of the universe, saying the words that I want to hear. I, I had been consciously and therefore also subconsciously crafting, reading, through meditation, ruminating. And as this became clearer, I started to see the signs. The things I read or reread and watched or rewatched seemed to be signs pointing me this way. Now, 
One can say that that is part of confirmation bias. And once you realize something, or, or you look for it, you start seeing it everywhere, right? And this is true, but I'm not going to let my understanding of the human brain or my limited understanding of the human brain and the psychology of it take me out of the feeling that life is there to guide and support you. Conversely, one of the biggest signs that I have felt recently for the past couple of months is that life is pretty fucking shitty, at least for me. Just the act of admitting that is pretty uncomfortable and I feel a little bit sensitive and, and, and I feel like withdrawing and my, my inner saboteur is one of is on the far corners of my consciousness pulling me to bed. It kind of like tells me that you need a break, you know, you need to live a little. And that's the thing about giving up. It's so easy because you ain't got to do anything. You just got to let go. You don't have to try. You know what? Well, fuck you, Sally the saboteur. Because in my experience, those kinds of platitudes that we tell ourselves, they haven't actually served me specifically. And you know I started off um, this whole thing about being specific, that that live a little works for other people, but me and my Virgo mind like the specifics. And when you think and verbalize something like live a little, then it seems to me like you take actions and, and make decisions that focus on short-lived and, and unsustainable actions that produce fleeting joy. They literally cause you to live just a little. And I don't want to live a little. I want to live fully. Not a little. I, I, I'm fully healthy. Not moderately healthy. So this idea of living fully, of living a lot, has made me think or actually more like rethink. Instead of talking about things relating to mental health, why not focus on actionable mental health advice that I have tested, lived, or realized myself and put that out into the world with the intent of helping as many people as I can through this medium? So about two years ago, I heard and kind of studied an episode of the Knowledge Podcast that uh, the topic was about how we distract ourselves from life. Then this reoccurring theme of living fully and and seeing signs that life give us make me wonder why don't we why don't we look at them when we see them why don't we acknowledge them so for those of us who live with the privilege of having a roof over our heads of having enough money to feed and clothe ourselves to to pay our electric bill our water bill our gas bill what is our fucking excuse for missing on the signs of life i think that the forewarnings of life, be it about an opportunity or a warning, are always coming at us. But it's easier to feign ignorance, even if you have all the facts and the signs, because facing the truth is hard. So we distract ourselves. And honestly, I'm kind of saddened by my recent dissipated resolve. I'm saddened because the hero of my life my mother, was someone who taught more through action than through words to always tell the truth. What are the facts and what is the truth? Somewhere in the middle is where you can find yourself. Because just like love, the truth liberates. It liberates us from distractions and into a life of intent and action. The signs are always there. 
so I do think, yeah, that there are clear signs from the universe. The signs are in front of us, and if you want to see them, you will see them. It was, I think, the quantum physicist uh, Max Planck who said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And this is a, a great segue for me because growing up, I believed in magic, as many children do. The unexplicable always seems a little magical. And as a child, I found joy in coincidences because I think that when I was a kid, that somewhere deep inside myself, I knew the probability of things. I say that now with a very rough understanding of the of the probability of the limited human experiences. But I like to believe that as a child, I had a I had an awareness of this. But with coincidences, I would often ruminate on the fact that whatever happened, how it happened, why to me, why did I see it and not that person? Why did I notice this and not that person? There's got to be something there, right? So I think that a subtle sign lies in what we can explain as coincidences and luck. Now, there's nothing... I don't think there's anything like luck. I think, like Oprah said, luck is you being open and prepared to meet the moment of opportunity. So you see things, the signs, and you listen to life saying, hey, here's something for you, take it. But if you're closed off to the signs of life, if you're unprepared for them, then will you ever really be lucky? And it just takes me back to when I was a kid, somewhere among the awkwardness of elementary school. Our family just had our last meal for dinner. I could tell that my mother was struggling, but she kept on a brave face for her children. And she also didn't really lie about it. We, in some way, she communicated that we had no money. And then something compelled me, like, to tell her, don't worry, mom, everything will be okay in the morning. The next morning comes, and things went very smoothly, or at least I remember them vaguely so my mind is filling in the details so so, so the, the next coupling couple of details may or may not be accurate I think that if we had breakfast it would have been a lonely slice of toasted bread with margarine and black coffee you see the difference between a loaf of brown bread and white bread was so small in price but it was the brown bread that was on the plate so if we had breakfast at all, it would have been a modest slice of toast and 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 instant black coffee. What I do remember clearly was that we all moved with a kind of peace. Usually, with elementary age kids, things can be difficult in the morning, but this day seemed to flow. We just seemed to flow with the day. My brother is the eldest, and he must have been, or he must have started high school, and I don't remember him with us, so he walked to school because it was near. And um, as we left the house, I, I walked to the front gate to open it so that my mom could back out the car. And while my mom got my sister in the car, I was in the process of opening the, the, the bluish gray gate. The gate would sing on its hinges whenever it was moved. And as it sang, I uh, something caught my eye right there, neatly folded up on the occasional oil-stained light gray interlocked brick paving that made up our driveway, I found what I had told my mom the night before. I found $20, or at least I think it's equivalent to $20. I found 20 
I found 200 Namibian dollars in that crisp, cool fall air. It wasn't much back in the mid-90s, but for us, who literally had nothing, it meant my mom could put a little petrol in her car and she could buy food for a couple of more days. She could breathe for a little bit. And here's the thing that blows my mind. How did I know to say, Mommy, things will be okay in the morning? And then I was the one to find that okayness right there on the ground and to have the unmitigated love and joy of bringing it to my mother. Can that really be a coincidence? Or is it that as a child I was more open to the signs of life? Or, or was it that my intent, my vision was so clear, my desire for it to be okay was so powerful and specific that I manifested it? Obviously, as an adult, I can intellectualize that someone had walked past our home and dropped it from their person. But still, even when that fact of that probability holds truth, how was it that just because I had said it, it happened? Is that not what you can say is magic? And as a kid, I didn't know much of anything about the signs of life, about manifesting, about law of attraction, about vision, about visualizing, any of this kind of soft science stuff. But some part of me must have understood it. And I like to think that when we're children, we're open and connected to the flow of life. And we listen to life and we hear the whispers and we see the signs in ways that we lose as society molds us into adults with impulse control. And maybe that's why we seek laughter, play, and spontaneity so much as adults. Distraction, really. Because isn't that what life is? It's, it's all play. We're all playing at something. So I guess what I'm trying to get at, what I'm trying to say is, believe in a little bit of magic. Because it has the potential to make you feel good. Then you move through your life situation from that good feeling and then you look at things differently and then things start to look different because honestly it's so easy to look at our lives through limitation i do it every fucking day and the more i look at limitation the more i see it everywhere we hold on to stories that make and keep us small we start seeing signs that support those limiting stories and we start to see then we get stuck in this mental pattern a habit to see things that are horrible that are going to happen, and then they happen. Then we miss the signs that support the joy of life. I think that yes, limitation does exist, but that I do not have to look at, I don't have to look at them all the time. For the past uh, couple of months, a, like intense sinus headaches have plagued me. Um, I'm talking debilitating, coupled with extreme exhaustion to the point of passing out as if I am drunk and and then there's grief knocking on the doors of my sleep at like 3.43 a.m. most every morning you know helping me to the boundaries of a breakdown and the signs that life suck at this point for me are there I see them and yet Somehow, I have been instinctively doing something that gets me out of that head space. I do something physically. When it's a, a mental problem, I try and, and, and wreck 
recognize that in my body and do something physically to aid in the overcoming of that issue. So say perhaps I'm in my bed and darkness pulls at me. The minute I realize that, I get up. No matter how tired I am, no matter what I'm feeling, I get up. I snap my fingers and I say, snap out of it. And I move out of that physical space, even if it's just from my bed to standing, just out of my bed. Or what I usually do is go to the mirror and I say to myself, things will be okay in the morning. And I did not realize just until today that that lesson, that sign I saw so many years ago when I told my mom that things will be okay in the morning, that that stayed with me. So some actionable piece of advice I would like to share with you is this. When you're in a mental state of distress of any kind and you are able to identify it, put your physical body in another space. Verbalize something soothing or even better, do something silly like dance around I don't know, make a sound with your body. I have no idea, but anything silly. Just move your physical body out of that space. It seems simple, but what have you got to lose by trying it? Look, I know that just because I can overcome something doesn't mean that that thing, that it is overcomable for everyone else. So... It's not necessarily overcomable for everyone else if I can do it, because that's not how mental health works. But what I do know is that I can show the signs that things can be better, that I can share what makes things look better for me. And when they look better, you start to look at them differently, right? So all you have to do is try a little bit. And that would be my actionable piece of mental health advice that I can give you as someone who cannot afford therapy and who is trying to be self-aware and through this process also learning to see the signs in other people and being much kinder to other people and having much less judgments of other people. Um, and everyone likes to think that <laughs> that they don't judge people, but judging people is literally ingrained or is literally part of your programming as a human being. You judge someone, whether you know it or not, you make judgments of them. Um, consciously, subconsciously. So we can at least try to not consciously judge them and also not consciously judge ourselves all the time. Um, and right now I want to end this with a big, big, big thank you for all of you for listening. My audience isn't very big, but I am proud to admit that I feel a sense of purpose when I hear people asking me, when are you going to put out a new episode? And uh, I have said from the beginning um, to myself, to some friends, that I don't do this to grow an audience. But to be honest, that was in direct contrast to what I believe is true for me. And I feel that through the way that I express experiences, that it connects with people. But why would I settle then to reach only a limited amount of people? Why would I not direct my attention into a bigger audience? I think that that is hypocritical. And it took a long time for me to see that, that I am hypocritical in that sense or that there is a contradiction. And how can I want to help people and just settle for a few? So it is here that I'd like to ask 
of you that if you have enjoyed this episode, if there's a line that you liked what I said, if there is a lesson that you think someone you know could learn from this, do me a kindness and share it with a friend. So it is with sincerity that I wish you to engage in mutually enjoyable penetration (laughs) and uh, make someone smile. Not necessarily through penetration. Um, Because there is nothing as infectious as a smile. Well, maybe chlamydia, but either way, keep smiling. (laughs) Bye-bye.